Our scripture this week is uh, an Old Testament reading where we hear of that still small voice, God. I'm reading from 1 Kings, um, from chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, Lord, O Lord, take away my life, for I have no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God, at that place. He came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. The author Anne Lamott put it well, I think, when she said that, she said, when I was a child, I thought grown-ups and teachers knew the truth. They told me they did. She said, it took me years, took years for me to discover that the first step in finding out the truth is to begin unlearning almost everything that adults had taught me and to start doing all the things that they told me not to do. Their main, main pitch, she said, was, was that achievement equaled happiness. When all you had to do, she said, was, was study these achieving adults to see that really most of them were, were mostly miserable, she said. It may be that we have to unlearn, start to unlearn some of the things that we have learned along the way, that we've come to believe about ourselves, some of the ways that we've been thinking. 
In our scripture, we read of, of Elijah, one of the great prophets of God, such a, a great and significant prophet of God he is that, that the, the scriptures tell us that in the end, he doesn't even, he doesn't even die as the rest of us do, but, it, but was taken up to heaven in a, in a chariot of fire. Elijah is, is one of the greats. We see, though, in our scripture today that Elijah has somewhat lost his way. It was just before this that Elijah had stood tall against 450 prophets of Baal in a, in a great show of power, calling down fire from, from God. He defeated these, these prophets, showing who the real God is, where, where true power comes from. But, but now Elijah, facing a threat from his enemy, he is running away in, in fear for his life. He, he runs and he, and he hides in a cave. And there in his hiding, God asks what are you doing here, Elijah? Where are you, Elijah? As if God doesn't already know the answer. Elijah is running and hiding. He has lost sight of God's presence that walks with him. And, and so God asks, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds oddly. He responds oddly with all these claims of his greatness. He, he says it twice, all of his achievements. I've been very zealous for the Lord, he said. I alone am left. Of, of all the prophets, I alone am left, he said. Thinking as a, a prophet of God that, that he's the one who's done anything at all. He's forgotten from where his, his strength really comes from. He's forgotten that he is entirely dependent upon God, always has been. I read a story about a young woman who spent a week in Hawaii. And, and one afternoon, um, out on the beach to cool off from the heat, she, she jumped into the ocean and, and she'd been snorkeling uh, most of the day and decided to take along her, her mask. And surprised by this school of, of rare, colorful fish, she, she lost herself in, in pursuit of these fish, thinking more about the, the fish than about how far she was drifting away from shore. When she finally looked up, it, it was clear that she had unknowingly been caught in a riptide, and she was amazed at, at how far away the beach was. And quickly realizing her dilemma, she, she swam hard, swam hard for the shore. And it didn't take her long to, to realize she was, she was in trouble. She was in trouble. And every stroke that she made left her farther away from the shore rather than closer to it. She was not making any headway at all, but was, was losing ground. But, but she, was, she was determined, so she swam harder. She would not give up, wouldn't be defeated by the current, by, by sheer force of willpower. She would, she would overcome this riptide. But the ocean currents are not so easily convinced. She finally realized she was, in, she was in danger. She was exhausted. And so finally in desperation, she, she frantically been wa began waving her arms, screaming for help. And luckily a lifeguard heard her screams, made it to her just in time. But as she told the story, Later, she said, do you know how hard it is to ask for help? How hard it is to ask for help. We forget what we once knew long ago as kids. Children are unafraid 
to ask for help. They have no problem admitting that they're in over their heads. For, for children to call for help from their mother or, or father is to proudly claim that they are dependent on those who love them. They know they can't do everything and they are content to be dependent on, on those they love for their care. We adults, on the other hand, we don't want to admit that we need anything, that we can't do everything. We, we don't want to have to admit our weakness. We don't want to feel that or let anybody else see that. As the, as the pastor Mark Iaconelli says, faith though, faith is for those who are not too proud to wave their arms and admit they are drowning, desperate. Faith is for the helpless, for those who know they are utterly dependent on God. Where are you? God says to Elijah. And with Elijah's repeated answer to God that he was the only one left, the only one left, I'm the only faithful one. Elijah had come to believe too much now in his own importance. As we grow, we deceive ourselves into thinking that our doing, that our activity is the answer, that, that it's what's going to solve the problems we face. We are so often a stubborn people, a, a pull ourselves up by the bootstraps kind of people. It's, it's a point of pride that we might be dutiful and strong and productive in, in all things with all our running, with all our constant activity, constant doing we believe too much in our own importance when really when it all comes down to it we are utterly dependent upon God for our life for our breath for all provision desperately in need of God's love and care and there's no amount of work there is no amount of work no amount of activity on our part that can change that love of God there's nothing we can do to earn it nothing we can do to make God love us any more this is the deeper truth that we see in the scriptures as the psalmist reminds us the psalmist reminds us just be still it says and know that I am God as we see in the book of Exodus, as the Israelites were, were fleeing from slavery, they, they come uh, upon the, uh, the Red Sea on one side, the waters of the Red Sea on the other, uh, on one side, and, and Pharaoh and his army on the other side, and the people are afraid for their lives, wondering what they could do, what, what they could possibly do. And Moses says, simply, you, you have only to be still, and the Lord will fight for you. If only to be still. And here we see that with Elijah, after all his running, now we're, there was this great, powerful wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, sound of sheer silence, a still, small voice. It was not in all the great flurries of activity that God was present, but rather in the stillness. There was the presence of God. The pastor Chuck Swindoll told a story about a conversation he had with his daughter, Colleen. 
And at the time, he was overwhelmed with, with many commitments. And in the process, he found himself starting to snap, snapping at his, at his wife, rushing through meals and irritated at, at little interruptions. And one evening after supper, his daughter Colleen desperately wanted to tell him something important that had happened to her at, at school that day. And, and she hurriedly began, Daddy, I, I want to tell you something and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you really fast, she said. And realizing her frustration, he answered, Honey, you can, you can tell me and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. And then came the response that Swindoll said he would never forget. His, his daughter responded and she said, Okay, Daddy, then, then listen slowly. Listen slowly. It may be that we have become so noisy, so active, so preoccupied, caught up in our own self-importance that we miss the very thing we need from God. We miss the, the stillness. And so we miss the voice, we miss the presence of God. We miss God's love and, and care for us. We have only to be still. Someone once said, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Where are you? God said. The love and the presence of God is waiting, ready, reaching out for us through all of our flurry of activity, ready for us to pause and turn in need of God's love and care. The pastor John Claypool told the story of his, his daughter, Laura, who when she was four years old, John was attempting to put her to bed one night, but she was like most little kids in my experience, trying to avoid at all costs going to bed. And so Laura, she took three trips to the bathroom and asked for a drink of water and, and wanted another story told and needed dad to, to put the light on and, and heard a scary sound and, and so on and so forth. And John finally took care of all of his daughter's needs and, and went upstairs to work. And he was deep into his work when, when if you had kids, you know this experience, you can kind of just tell the kid is just there at the door waiting. And he could tell Laura was just kind of standing at the door, looming at his office door, staring at him. And frustrated, he turned around and with a bit of anger, he, he said, what do you want me to do, Laura? And Laura sauntered up beside her father, and grabbed a hold of his arm, and, and she said, she said, nothing, Daddy, I just want to be close to you. And really, Laura, this little girl may have been speaking the words of God to us. I don't want you to do anything. I just want to be close to you. If we rewind ourselves back to our smallest, our earliest entry into the world, before all of our efforts, before all our work, began, when we could only lay still, awaiting the loving arms of a mother or father. We knew something then that we should remember again. We then and now and always stand in desperate need. Love is never earned or deserved, it just is. 
And God is ready, awaiting to be close to us, to sweep us up in his loving arms, like, like the child of God that we are.